Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. First, this is the first episode we are recording after uh, we after we gave everybody a bit of a surprise uh, with our colleagues, uh, codenamed Doc and Dana Schwartz. Uh, giving us a fantastic exploration of the terrible history between the U.S. and Hawaii. Thank you to everyone for tuning into that episode. If you haven't yet, check it out immediately. Do it now, and then come back. We'll be here. It was a great episode. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it as a listener. Totally. So, so yeah, huge thanks and shout out to them. And uh, today's episode, I thought an interesting way to begin this would be to talk about um, one, one of the most famous sci-fi fantasy series in history, Douglas Adams' 
Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's it's the kind of uh, whimsy that we might need <laughs> to balance out today's story. Uh, this is not a spoiler for the story. And as you know, uh, given the stuff they don't want you to know policy on spoilers, this has been out long enough that a spoiler warning need not apply. Anyhow, in a way that uh, doesn't have necessarily a huge impact on the plot, there is a hapless character in a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy named Rob McKenna. Rob McKenna is a taxi or a lorry driver who for his entire life has tried and failed to get away from the rain that constantly follows him. And he's got a little logbook that proves it has rained everywhere, anytime he's been anywhere, no matter where he goes, no matter what time of day it is. And McKenna doesn't know that know why this happens. He thinks he's just cursed. It turns out that um, the rain follows him for a reason. It's a fantastic ongoing thread in a fantastic series. And although Douglas Adams may not have been aware of this, there may be a real-life example of a type of uh, Rob McKenna, just as hapless, if not as um, so sweetly Wes Anderson-like wholesome. This real-life Rain Man, according to the story, gets his powers not from the divine, but from the opposite of the divine, something unclean, something infernal, a case of possession, or a, a case of abuse from beyond the grave, or, or something else. Fellow conspiracy realists, today we bring you the strange tale of Don Decker. Here are the facts. In 1983, which is, uh, I think, the year we were all born? No. Just you and me, I think, pal. Okay, just just you and me, pal. All right. Sorry, Ben. Uh, A 21-year-old man by the name of Don Decker was having a a really bad time. Uh, He was serving four to ten months uh, in the Monroe County Correctional Facility of uh, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, and that was because he had received stolen goods, uh, stolen property. On February 24th, uh, about 38 years uh, from this day, as we sit here and record, he was given a uh, furlough to attend his grandfather's funeral, a man named James Kishaw, who lived in the same town where Decker was incarcerated. So... This was, I mean, a funeral is often not a happy event, right? At least we can agree the majority of them are not supposed to be. This was going to be somewhat of a personal milestone for Decker because uh, from a young age, and uh, we're not too clear on the specifics of this, but from a young age, his grandfather had physically abused him, according to Decker. Uh, This began when he was about seven years old and in his mind, the old man's death could lead him to a new chapter in life, a fresh start. It could free him from what he described as an evil that had haunted him all his life. Like many victims of emotional uh, or, I guess, social or physical abuse, uh, he had kept these occurrences a secret, had not told people. Uh, So, when he went to the funeral, you know, he saw relatives and uh, especially his parents uh, talking about this man who had abused him in, of course, uh, the 
overly positive terms that people often use for the newly dead. This funeral was an emotionally exhausting experience for Decker, understandably, right, if all these things are true. And seeing his parents talk about his grandfather and what he felt were glowing, glorifying terms made him furious. It incensed him. And so after the funeral, he said, you know, I'm going to stay with my friends instead of staying with my folks. I'm going to stay with a couple named Bob and Jeannie Kiefer. Yeah. And like we said, he's on furlough. So the police are aware of where he is. And it's not like he just went off. He's there staying essentially under their custody. Important point. Uh, and I love that you brought you brought it back to the furlough. Furlough is given for uh, is only allowed if you are a pretty exemplary uh, in, inmate, right? Yeah. Or, oh, yeah. Uh, obeying the rules in jail. So that means that we know at this point, nothing unusual had happened. Exactly. They don't consider him a flight risk. They don't consider him a danger to anybody, especially just, you know, his friends that he's going to go and stay with. They also don't think the Kiefer's have anything fishy going on or else that would have been an issue. Uh, at least that, that would, that would be the understanding unless there were extenuating circumstances that we don't know about or cannot prove. So uh, the Kiefer's were renting a house. It was on Ann Street uh, there in the city. And uh, I just really quickly, I, I always like doing this and always like talking about geography. But just so you know, where we are really is near the Pocono Mountains, right near where this is taking place. There is the Pocono Mountains Visitors Bureau. And it, 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 you've heard people talk about the Poconos before. Uh, the mountain range. And this is, I, I'm trying to look for a nearby place. It's basically between Scranton, Pennsylvania and Allentown, Pennsylvania, kind of, but to the Northeast of Allentown. So that's physically where we are. They're in this house on Ann street and the night of the funeral, Decker's there with his friends, the Kiefer's and Decker is upstairs. He's in the bathroom, at least according to the story. He's like washing his hands, getting ready for dinner. And according to him, what he told to the Kiefer's, uh, he suddenly felt disoriented, felt very confused. And then he fell down to the floor and according to him was given some visions, some strange visions, including a king. We'll get into it. Well, well, if the way he says is a man with a crown, which okay, is okay. kind of like a Russian law about anyone who happens to be president. But yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> he had these, he had these visions. Uh, he felt disoriented and confused, and that's something that a lot of people report when they have uh, visions for caused by any number of medical or cognitive situations. According to Decker, and you can see video, by the way, of uh, him describing this, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the shows that widely publicized or popularized this story. According to him, scratches appeared unbidden upon his wrist. He rejoins the Kiefer's. He seems oddly subdued. Think of uh, Jack Nicholson as the Overlook Hotel is slowly getting its, its um, psychic talons into his mind yeah almost almost under a state of hypnosis uh and he sits down to eat picture him we're editorializing a little bit picture him moving kind of robotically going through the motions 
you can attribute this a lot to the grief of losing a family member, even if it's one you didn't particularly care for, the shock of going to a funeral. His pal, uh, Kiefer, notices, Bob Kiefer, that is, notices the blood when Decker sits down to eat. And like any friend would say, he asks, what happened? What happened to you? Uh, Decker tells him about this vision, this man in a crown reflected in a window that does not physically appear to be in the bathroom with him. Uh, He's got these scratches, which he attributes to Satan. You know, kind of small talk. You probably have at dinner, right? Yeah, yeah. But and you can imagine to some evil presence. That's what he's attributing to. But in his mind, it's that would be Satan. Right, right. And that's an important division. So or differentiation. So a few minutes later, the family hears this loud kind of banging noise uh, from above, and they notice that water is dripping from the walls and the ceiling. That's fun. Uh, Something similar happened uh, at my daughter's mom's house the other night. She had a friend sleep over, and uh, they didn't realize the toilet was just constantly overflowing, and nobody noticed until water literally started seeping through uh, into into, uh, her mom's closet and ruined all of her clothes. So, yeah, immediately the first thing your mind would go to is, okay, there's a nasty, nasty plumbing problem, something catastrophic, and you're scrambling to like figure out where it's coming from and and stop it, right? Uh, but this seems to be something different. Yeah, there's never a good time for a plumbing problem, as anybody who's experienced one can assure you, especially homeowners uh, and plumbers as well. It's because a burst pipe uh depending on its location, can become very expensive very quickly. So Bob Kiefer, uh, he and he and his partner are renting this structure. So they immediately phone their landlord. And this is, you know, like this, they're not renting from some big complex or company. They know the guy. His name is really cool, actually. It's Ron Van Y, yeah. uh, W-H-Y. That's really cool. And, you know, all the homeowners that are listening right now are going, oh, thank God they're renting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because <laughs> it really is expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ron, of course, doesn't feel the same way because he owns the house. <laughs> so so he goes over immediately. Let's get on the case. And the two guys set off to investigate what they naturally assume to be leaking pipes. Uh, of course, Plumbing problems are, are are likely on the rise at this time. Uh, again, it's February in it's February in Pennsylvania here. There has been a storm earlier, so if the pipes are old enough, you know they may have burst, they may have had problems with freezing and so on. But uh, eventually, pretty quickly, they realize something that the police will also later realize. All of the plumbing just it goes to the kitchen and the bathroom, and they're on the other side of the house from where this leak is occurring. Like the whole plumbing system, the whole circulatory system of the house, it's all toward the back of the structure. Second, Decker appears to have progressed from being kind of out of it and oddly calm, maybe in shock, to a full on trance state. This guy is in something meditative or approaching catatonic, this prompts Kiefer to call the police. And think about it from Bob's perspective. You know, yes, this is your friend. Your friend is technically on vacation from jail. 
So you want to be as above board as possible. Uh, the leaks, however, are continuing at the same time. They appear to be increasing at a worrying pace. Where the hell is all this water coming from? This is the question, right? Where is the water coming from? And I want to jump back to this concept that all of the plumbing is on the other side of the house. And it's simply because I'm I'm imagining them sitting downstairs and then hearing that bang that, that you demonstrated, Ben, that, that loud banging from above them. I'm imagining the Kiefer's know where the bathroom is in location to them above them, right? You, you, you've probably been on a second floor before. If you're aware of it, you know where the bathrooms kind of are in relation to you. If they believed that that sound came from the bathroom or from the plumbing in the bathroom, you imagine they would, you know, look to the place and, and think about it in being in that general area. And if that occurs and, you know, depending on where the bang came from, because we don't, I don't have an exact, you know, like geolocation of, was it above them and to the right? Was it above them and to the left? But then the water was coming down from the right. I don't ha- we don't have that information necessarily, but it just made it, it made it more curious to me. The fact that the plumbing is way over there uh, in the skeletal structure of the house. Really what I'm wondering is where did the bang originate? And where was the plumbing? And were they definitely in two completely different places? I we, I don't know. It's a good question, and it's one that uh, it's one that isn't specifically explored even in the subsequent attempts at a police report. The cavalry arrives first. There are two officers on the scene: officers John Baujon and Richard Wolbert. By this point, from their accounts, water just wasn't just leaking within the house, you know, kind of streaming down the walls or whatever. Uh, In in fact, Bob Kiefer and uh, Ron Van Wye, when the police showed up, they they were at a loss to explain what was happening. They were saying, okay, look, just come in here. Just come in. You got to see it for yourself. It's weird. We need help. And the police decided to enter the premises. And what they found inside is uh, less like a bunch of leaks Uh, from everything they could tell, it was literally raining inside the house. Now, not necessarily a torrential downpour, but the the water appeared not just to be obeying the patterns of rain you would see outside. It appeared to be, uh, there appeared to be violations of the laws of physics inside the house. The old rules no longer applied. This stuff was falling upward from the floor. Yeah, I mean, it was the there were reports from the scene that it was literally defying gravity. Uh, and, and there was no uh, discernible source for the leak for, for, for uh, of a leak, an existence of a leak of the, of the water uh, appeared to just be kind of being summoned in, in some weird way. It was only happening in the living room though. So it was like this localized, like storm cloud, like you see in the cartoons. Um, and the police were absolutely at a loss. I mean, this isn't something that they're, <laughs> They're really equipped to deal with. So the police left the scene because they had to figure out how to summarize all this craziness into some semblance of a, you know, uh, report that wouldn't get them fired, I guess. Uh, and then the uh, the Kiefer's went with Don Decker to a nearby restaurant. So the landlord, Ron uh, Van Wy, called his wife, Romaine, Fantastic name. Um, and she joined him at the house. He, they stuck around while everyone else left. And then all of a sudden, the rain stopped as quickly as it had begun. 
Yeah, either the... <laughs> It's interesting, too. One detail I'm wondering about this is whether the police, the tenants, definitely the homeowner, surely someone immediately said, let's turn off the water, right? Yeah. That's step number one. But that's not really, that's not a detail that's uh, really reported in this story here. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Ron and Romaine know that house, right? They they know the ins and outs of that house, where the pipes are. They've probably had to fix things in the past. You would imagine, like, really what I want is more info from those two. And I wish we had more of that. There may be a reason we don't. Uh, this restaurant across the street is a pizzeria. It's owned by a lady, at the time it's owned by a lady named Pam Scrofano. And she also gives interviews on video about this. Everyone we've named so far is on video at some point talking about this story or appearing to talk about this story. Uh, the program Unsolved Mysteries, which some of some of us in the audience today may have loved as much as I did in younger years. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries has Scrofano on the on this episode uh, talking about how she had earlier gone to the Kiefer's house. Like, clearly, this pizzeria was their cheers. It's right across the street. They serve pizza. They probably have beer. What more do you want from life? And uh, so she knew these folks. She had apparently already went across the street earlier to look at this bizarre meteorological phenomenon, micro-meteorological phenomenon. We'll work on it. Uh, And when she saw when she uh, saw the Kiefer's and Don arrive, apparently rain started falling in the restaurant too. Uh, she looked at Don's odd behavior. He was still very out of it. And I imagine this is my speculation here, folks, but I imagine what happened is dinner was ruined at the Kiefer house. And they decided that uh, regardless of the chaotic universe in which they live, they still wanted to get something to eat. Uh, so, so they had gone to a pizza restaurant with a very weird vibe. Uh, Pam is freaking out. She goes to the cash register where she retrieves uh, a cross, you know, the symbol of uh, Christianity. Uh, and she tries to give the cross to Don, and he can't hold it. He claims it burns his hand. Pam, being of a somewhat religious bent, feels like she's cracked the case. She tells the Kiefer's they need to take him to a church for the process of performing an exorcism. While we do not know the specifics of the conversation that followed, we know that instead of going to a church immediately, they went home. Probably because a lot of churches are closed at that time, right? Well, yeah, and they just ruined a ton of pizza. I mean, think about how bad is soggy pizza. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. That is a party foul, to be sure. Uh, all of this, by the way, is uh, is delightfully recreated in that Unsolved Mysteries episode. It's during like the golden age of Unsolved Mysteries, where like Robert Stack's hair is just perfect, and like the experts that are on this particular episode, one of them looks like a sort of a a miniature Ringo star. I can't remember the guy's name. He's, he's one of the investigators that we're going to get to. One of the two, so I, I don't remember which one. He was exactly, but he almost looks like um, Andy Circus in like Lord of the Rings, but with like a Ringo star, like goatee, perfectly quaffed and like a bun. It's, it's something to behold. Uh, and then, you know, the thing that's about to happen next, also beautifully dramatized, Romaine uh, confronts Decker. Uh, as he is in this like s- trance like state, like a fugue state. Uh, and then she tries to 
I don't know, settle him down or kind of talk him down. Pots and pans start banging around the kitchen. Classic possession 101 type stuff. And then they claim, and again, it's beautifully done in the show, uh, that uh, Decker began to levitate off the floor as the cacophonous sounds of pots and pans clanging and banging around began to increase to a fever pitch. Then in in a scene you might recognize from the movie, The Exorcist, uh, these unseen, you know, things start slashing at Decker's skin and these, you know, cuts or or scratches start to open up all over him as he's supposedly levitating there. Uh, And they form the shape of a cross, allegedly, uh, near the inside of his elbow or like the crook of, of his arm there. Officer Baujan came back where he found Jeannie Kiefer reading the Bible an attempt to do her own kind of DIY exorcism on Decker. Bless her heart. Uh, in a show called Paranormal Witnesses, uh, Baljan said that he too truly believed that Decker was possessed, and he decided to call in the big guns, the chief of police, Gary Roberts. So chief of police, Gary Roberts, is an important part of this story. He is convinced by uh, by the the cops to go visit this scene in person. When he gets there, he says, "Okay, yeah, moisture. It's it's moisture is not itself uh, a supernatural nor um, invidious thing." I understand this might be a weird situation for you, Kiefer family. We've all had a tough day. Things are going to be fine. There's absolutely nothing unnatural going on. And we we know there's a bit of at least a verbal reprimand to his employees because he orders them to leave and not to bother filing a report. You know what I mean? Just a, another night in another episode of Law and Order, Strasburg, Pennsylvania. This was certainly not the end. When we return from a quick break... We will tell you what happened the next day. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. 
Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. So the next day, some officers return. There, there are two other officers uh, who are new to this story, but they've heard about it over over the past few hours these are officers william davies and officer john rundle they along with baujan de- kind of defied their boss and they they were like okay maybe the police chief of police is not fully grasping the enormity or the importance of this situation or at least the bizarreness of this situation so they visit the house themselves and Davies says uh, he, Decker, who is still there, recoils when he offers Decker a gold cross, just like Pam at the pizzeria. Decker drops it, claiming again that it burns his skin. There's some kind of consistency there. Uh, and then these officers, these police officers who are trained to accurately report what they see, say that Decker is lifted off the ground by unseen forces. Decker is also on video saying this, uh, and that he is thrown across the room, quote, as though a bus had hit him, uh, and additional scratches appear on his neck. I haven't read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy in, in a number of years, but I'm pretty sure Rob McKenna just gets rain. I don't think he gets thrown around. Uh, so that's, that's another difference, if you're keeping track. So finally, on this next night, Ron Van Wy, the landlord, is able to convince a preacher to come and attempt an exorcism. This is not the first preacher he talked to. It's definitely not his first choice. He had talked to several other religious figures, ministers and priests, and they had all uh, turned him down. Because as you've seen in um, previous episodes we've done, like Exorcisms 101 and so on, exorcisms are something that religious institutions take very, very seriously because people have been hurt in the past. And also uh, you have to spend a great deal of time figuring out whether it could be anything other than a case of possession. Right. So you get a lot of you, you know, if you are, if you are a religious authority listening to today's episode, I'm sure that you have also received a lot of strange calls from very, uh, upset and scared people. And you've had, you know, you had to realize that maybe this isn't an exorcism. Maybe they just need someone to help them walk back from whatever ledge they're on. Uh, so this, so he finally finds a guy who says, yes, preacher arrives unseen. He begins to pray. He has his Bible out. Don begins to convulse 
violently, physically, and then the preacher performs some sort of ceremony. It's definitely not, you know, obviously the Catholic rite of exorcism, but whatever it is seems to work. People who are present describe an intangible difference in the feeling, and, and not to be dismissive, but they describe a change in the vibe, right, a change in the um, energy of, of the of the house, of the room. And then at the end of uh, one of these prayers, the rain stops and it will never appear in the Kiefer home again. So maybe this bizarre incident is over. And Don uh, has just had a terrible furlough, but he still has to go back to jail. He got convicted. He has to serve his sentence. That's one of the nicer furloughs I've ever heard of where you get multiple days off rather than you. Okay. You get to attend the funeral and then you have to immediately return. That's a, that's a very nice thing that Don got to, to receive. Seems pretty but, unusual, doesn't it? Uh, I, I don't know the practices yeah, in, in the eighties, you know, of. but, uh, but still it, a different thing, right? A different experience than probably a lot of people have had. Um, but it, it doesn't stop here, you're right. And just a few days later, he ends up back in the jail. He's going to do his thing. And while he was there, it appears that whatever rituals took place a few days prior that stopped the rain at the Kiefer's house didn't work when he returned to incarceration. Because now, it's raining in the jail. Or, yeah, at the very least, it's described as rain, but at the very least, uh, water is appearing in a way that seems inexplicable. We have, a, we have a quote from Don Decker where he says, They put me in a maximum security cell. I was in there with another inmate, and I was thinking I should make it rain in here. And all of a sudden, water started coming out of the concrete floor. And at that point, I thought, I can do stuff. And then... Uh, yeah! He realized he's Storm. He's like, oh, man, I'm Storm. This is awesome. <laughs> or like Eeyore, you know, with the black cloud following him around. Or like uh, Rob McKenna, uh, who, who is <laughs> maybe a little bit more of an ambitious Rob McKenna. But, but yeah, he, he says maybe this is something that I can uh, in some way control. There's a guard who's skeptical about it and is like, oh, yeah, Decker, well, if you can, you can control rain, and that's why you're doing so well in life, locked up here in jail, uh, why don't you make it rain in the warden's office? The warden at the time was a guy named Dave Keenhold. And, and he just started making it rain. Sorry. He just started making it rain. Yes. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Um, so... So Warden Keenhold is also on video, uh, and he says the following. I was sitting at the desk writing a report. I was all by myself in the administration area. Nobody else was around. It was approximately 8 in the evening. At the time, I didn't feel anything, but my shirt was drooping down. And he goes on to say, uh, uh, another officer entered and was going to tell him something. and was like, uh, Warden, look at your shirt. And so he looks down, he literally looks down at his shirt and uh, right around the center of his sternum, about four inches long, two inches wide, there was this huge spot of water. And he says, I was uh, 
I was startled. I was scared. The officer was frightened. I didn't have an explanation of why it happened. And so then the warden, uh, oh, and other people reported seeing this. So his cellmate saw it, two guards saw it, janitor saw it. The the warden saw this stuff appear on his shirt, and the warden contacts a guy named Reverend William Blackburn uh, to attempt another, like another exorcism, a third exorcism for those of us keeping track at home. So then a third and final exorcism uh, was attempted, and this appears to perhaps have done the trick. Uh, another reverend by the name of William Blackburn meets Don in jail. Um, and he sees with his own eyes this rain appear uh, at apparently summoned by Don himself, like he said, Matt. Um, and he prayed over him uh, and the rain stopped. Who stopped the rain indeed? Uh, or who will stop the rain? Apparently it was uh, it was William Blackburn as a Credence Clearwater revival reference. Um, speaking of great references, uh, in the wake of this kind of bizarre indoor weather thing, or Ben, as you nodded to in the outline, inner weather, shout out to Robert Frost, um, Don and these various witnesses still claim that they're unable to explain where this was coming from, where this indoor rain was coming from. Um, and, and there are quite a few people that, that saw it. So what's, what's the deal? Uh, what actually happened? Here's where it gets crazy. This is a story that, uh, as you said, Noel, still does not have an official explanation, by which I mean it still does not have an uh, explanation that is considered 100% factual by all people involved. Uh, there are several possibilities, and not all of these possibilities are immediately apparent. So what makes this case unusual or remarkable in comparison to other cases that have some similarities is that there are nine eyewitnesses, several of whom uh, have their careers staked on their ability to be accurate and credible, right, and in, in recalling what they have encountered. Uh, Don himself, you know, we could count him as as an extra witness, but let's let's leave him bracketed to the side. All of these nine witnesses were willing to go on record saying that they heard, saw, and felt unusual phenomena. But first, importantly, and this is where those uh, shows can be a little bit misleading, not all of these witnesses are saying there was something demonic at play. Uh, the police chief, right, was never convinced. Uh, several witnesses will still, they'll, they'll go as far as saying they saw something they can't explain. That doesn't make it necessarily supernatural. And additionally, if you look at exorcisms overall, the claims of creating rain indoors seem oddly specific and somewhat unprecedented. It doesn't follow the exorcism tropes of uh, the demographics of people who tend to be possessed, often children, predominantly women. Remember, not all claims of possession or exorcisms are Christian in nature. And the Decker case does include like a couple, two big, uh, big common signs of what's considered to be possession, some kind of levitation, uh, mysterious wounds, and so on. Levitation of Don Decker himself, and then some kind of uh, psychokinetic movement of the pots and pans in the kitchen. But the primary thing, inexplicable rain, 
uh, wetness generated somehow by uh, the human mind or by, you know, by somehow some action or presence of a human being that usually is attributed to stuff like uh, the old practice of rainmakers, you know, people who were paid to go out and, and do anything from early science of cloud seeding to uh, using their own allegedly unique cognitive or spiritual abilities to bring rain to drought stricken areas. Yeah. It sounds to me, if it's real, more like a superpower that is being unlocked through a, a highly stressful situation or something, you know, mm-hmm. more, way more so than a possession by somebody it sounds yeah. like he got extremely stressed due to the funeral and this abusive person in his life that died. Then it went away after it feels like being calmed down, whether or not the exorcism actually did anything spiritually, or it was just someone giving him attention and calming him down. A lot of people being around him, lowering and then, heart rate, lowering mm-hmm. endorphins. Well, then, then it comes back when he gets back to the stressful situation of being in prison. Right. So interestingly enough, like to me, it's it's almost like it's being triggered through some kind of stress or internal turmoil. It's a very Stephen Kingy type trope. Like it makes me think of Carrie, you know, when she's picked on and uh, and humiliated at the prom. And then all of a sudden she just kicks into like fight or flight mode and like burns everybody alive uh, or, or fire starter, for example. You know, a lot of these powers or latent abilities are brought out by, you know, stressful events that are triggered. And then it's also usually beyond the individual's control or at least, you know, to a to a large degree. And of course, um, fellow fellow comic fans, you'll recall that this is this is one of the common ways for mutant powers to express in things like Marvel comics. Uh, it's often tied to puberty in those sort of tropes, just like in, or those sort of stories, I should say, not tropes. Just like in um, just like in Carrie, as you mentioned earlier, Noel, uh, with this. We have to remember Don is at the cusp of his early 20s. So his body is still developing to that to that theory. Uh, we don't know how much, if any, medical research has been done on his brain, right? Which is another interesting question. And we also, uh, we there hasn't been a ton of research done on the house. And we know that for sure. Uh, but let's let's so those are interesting possibilities. They're interesting um, paths of thought. We have to take another one, which is a, a, a little more nitty gritty, and it's an unfortunate fact of the reality that Don and these eyewitnesses were living in during the early '90s when this uh, case was publicized on those shows we cited earlier. Uh, and it's a, it's a unfortunate reality of the world we live in today. It's kind of the rise of reality television, unscripted, allegedly nonfiction programs with heavily edited interviews. Again, the vast majority of people who learned about this story, especially outside of uh, the area between Allentown and Scranton, Pennsylvania, the people who learned about this learned about it because they were watching stuff. And I say this with love. They were watching stuff that was meant to be entertainment, right? Entertainment TV. It is completely possible 
We've explored this before. It's completely possible that any of these witnesses, even Don himself, may have been manipulated or goaded in some way by the producers, either into exaggerating their original statements or having their words taken out of context. You know what I mean? Like if there's something like I bet chief of police Gary Roberts was the most difficult interview for those producers. What do you guys think? Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, ben, to to this end, I want to just point out exactly what you're saying. It was 1983 when this occurred. Then it wasn't until the the 90s when it was retold, right, on one of these one or more of these scripted shows. Um, it's, this is something that Skeptic Magazine points out. Michael Shermer, that writes in in that magazine, uh, why didn't anyone think to snap any kind of photograph, take any kind of um evidence of this occurrence why doesn't that exist it we're talking about days of this kind of thing happening and you're you know you're at the police station you're talking about a place where people are incarcerated where pictures are taken of people for mugshots. why didn't somebody take a picture of any of this stuff it's just uh it feels strange why did not anybody for instance uh take a sample of the water right especially because the water uh left will find a, a physical impression. We know that there really was water. That part is for sure. We're just now arguing over how connected it was with Dawn and where the water came from, right? Be right, memory is uh, treacherous, arguably one of the most treacherous bodily processes uh, is remembering something. And then we have to look at the credibility of, of these shows. As enjoyable as they are, um, these shows have an angle, right? They want you to be tantalized. They want you to be fascinated. They want you to leave with more questions than you had when you started watching and maybe one decision, one answer, which is, will I watch the next episode of the show? And the answer is hopefully yes, right? That's what they're trying to get you to, um, and they they do very well. There is an art and a craft to this, but it also means it's like telling these stories, making these narratives is like whittling a block of wood. You have to get rid of some stuff for the final product to have the shape you want people to see. And that's why they don't invest a ton of time looking at any possible mundane explanations. That might be kind of boring. Uh, they do have subject matter experts, you know, that's part of the format of those shows and the experts in the, in each of these programs are billed as paranormal investigators. Paranormal investigators is a very large term, right? There's a lot of stuff that fits in there from people who believe they are mediums, uh, to people who believe that they are hardcore skeptics trying to, uh, debunk the idea of a haunted house. You know what I mean? So the problem with describing people as paranormal investigators, wherever they fall on that spectrum, is, is this. There is no widely accepted accreditation process. There's no board or other authority that reviews you. You know, like veterinarians have boards and um, the medical professionals have boards to make sure that their research is up to date, to make sure that their practices are sound. And there is no such thing as, for instance, a licensed paranormal investigator. 
You can call anyone you want. There, there are plenty of people who will issue you a certificate of some sort, but there's not like a, you can't go to the DMV or your local courthouse, and, you know, like the place you would get a gun license or a divorce uh, or a marriage license and say, hey, I need a judge to sign off on me being a paranormal investigator. I tried. I looked into it. It's just not a thing. And yet uh, we've got priests that are like supposedly qualified to do exorcisms. I guess maybe that's the closest thing to, to having accreditation for, for being a paranormal investigator of some kind. I mean, not an invest eh, kind of you're, if you're a priest, you're showing up, you're investigating a paranormal event and then you are doing something about it supposedly. And it's sanctioned by this uh, very, very old established organization. I, I just, I, I find it fascinating. I'm not trying to, you know, downplay anybody's uh, beliefs or, or religion, but uh, particularly the idea of sanctioned exorcisms has always sat a little oddly with me. Well, it's interesting because we have to remember that the church in in a real way uh precedes the modern state i would argue religion precedes the modern state rather so in a way that's they're the oldest licensed paranormal investigators even if they're licensed for you know a very specific niche of that sort of stuff but that's an i i think that i agree that's a good point let's pause though let's pause for a word from our sponsor we'll return and we'll um we'll look into the part of the story that these programs did not. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kid-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Like Don Decker's reign, we have returned. Uh, third point here. Objective scientific investigations, one in particular, do appear to have a plausible explanation for what occurred. To your point, Matt, these explanation this explanation occurs um, a number of years after the actual events. There's a great report, series of reports by uh, the Pocono Record or Poconos uh, that that details the work of a researcher. From New York, located in New Zealand, a medical sociologist named Robert Bartholomew. He became interested in this case when a colleague referred it to him and said, hey, man, this is right up your alley. Uh, I don't know what the explanation is based on the info I have. Bartholomew's legit. He's accredited. He teaches at uh, Botany Downs Secondary College, or he did at the time. He wrote in a ton of journals. On, on things that were allegations of the paranormal, right? And when I say wrote in journals, we're talking about medical and sociology journals, not, you know, his own personal moleskins or something. Uh, and and he, had a pretty, he had a pretty solid theory for this. That's right. Um, he, he did make it very clear that he did not have any connections to Stroudsburg um, and kind of considered himself as, as a bit of an outsider, um, but he said, quote, I can be seen as an impartial third party. My goal is to understand what happened. Uh, and he believes, I think, kind of like what we were conjecturing earlier, that through this kind of perfect combination, perfect storm of stress, uh, the weather and a particular type of ice formation, uh, Bartholomew believes that he can reasonably explain what happened. So for him, it all goes back to this thing called an ice dam, like the Hoover Dam. Ice damming is a phenomenon that occurs when warm air enters an attic, uh, like snow melt, like meltwater from like a roof seeping in. Um, and uh, then if temperatures drop after the sun sets, ice can form and it can trap the water that had previously melted with nowhere to go and still uh, at a temperature, keeping it in a liquid form because of the internal heat of the house, the water will eventually leak uh, outside. Uh, and you can actually see a, a pretty helpful um, image of this if you go to University of Minnesota Extensions website uh, and just type in what is an ice dam, and it, and it shows the phenomenon. It really is little pockets in the eaves kind of of, of an attic. So it would be like in a corner, for example. Uh, it, it's a it's a pretty pretty helpful image, but it, it's uh, sort of like what was described, but I don't know, not quite. Well, really, what you'd be seeing here, you you may have seen this before because this is fairly common, it, like weeping. You can see like your walls look like they're weeping, like they're crying or it's it's just dripping water down a little bit. This has happened in older houses that I've rented here in Atlanta, uh, depending on what's going on with the temperature and accumulation. Sometimes uh, it's 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 fairly common. That's all I wanted to say. So the um, yeah, the reason I have that diagram there is if you it, it is helpful to look at it if you're curious um what what you're seeing is a kind on the roof you're seeing a a combination of of water in three forms the ice is toward the bottom 
right toward the eaves of the roof uh the snow is atop the dammed water in the middle and what you know the immediate question if you look at this diagram or other ones like it is uh how does it get through the insulation well the insulation becomes sodden and that heat is going to be continual because you have to keep a house warm right ideally uh while you're in snowy conditions and so things like a snowstorm can exacerbate that. Uh, but the big question, probably one of the more tantalizing perhaps is, okay, fine. I understand weeping, right? I've seen leaks before. I know what leaks are like. Leaks do not shoot out from the bottom of the floor like rain <laughs> from a cloud. And isn't it a pretty big coincidence that this occurred at the house where Don was then at the pizza place then again at the jail yeah and it's and corroborated by various unrelated witnesses from from these uh well it didn't seem like they would have an agenda you know i, I tend to i tend to believe folks like that uh it, it's it's hard yeah it's hard to justify of course not of course this wouldn't have uh and this is a thing that happens in houses very rarely like under very specific circumstances yes yeah, so going back to um what I'm building toward here or what I was building toward there is that it really the other problem with definition here is what defines rain. A torrential downpour is rain, but a drizzle is also rain, you know, and, and fog is just moisture in the air. So is it possible that they were um, the people who are witnessing this were seeing air uh, heavy with with moisture, but was the was the moisture somehow being affected by the heat of the house after it left the walls or after it left that dam? You know what I mean? Was it somehow um, being uh, dispersed the way that a, a humidifier would or something? Uh, to the point about specificity of ice damming, yes, you're correct. The weather in the area, the weather on Ann Street there does appear to be within the bounds of what would what an ice dam need would need to form. Uh, daytime highs were in the 40s and 50s Fahrenheit, but then the lows dropped down to the 20s and the 30s. Uh, also, Bartholomew's research shows that ice damming can be pretty common if a major snowstorm has just hit an area where temperatures go above freezing during the day to turn stuff in the water and then below the point of freezing, 32 degrees at night. Uh, this makes perfect conditions for your classic ice dam. And the Poconos had been hit by a snowstorm about 13 days before all this stuff went down with Don Decker. So maybe there was something unclean at play, but maybe it wasn't a demon or maybe it wasn't an angry ghost. It was a dirty roof with a pile of unswept snow. Still unclean. And then also, I totally get it. I've been in snowy areas before. Why would you, like, just plow, like, cleaning your driveway is enough. Why, who goes on their roof all the time to clean off snow? I go up there to clean off leaves. Yeah, the leaves are the problem here in Georgia, for sure. Uh, although, the and I kind of like it. I think that's meditative. Also, you're not freezing while you do it. Uh, and then, what happens to this house? Don's gone. The Kiefer's stay at the house for about two more years. So they must not have been that freaked out. They didn't see anything else super unusual. Uh, they couldn't get those stains from the uh, water off the walls. And we can't do any on-the-scene testing or try to uh, 
reenact the events, unsolved mystery style, uh, because the house has been demolished. And then the fourth, the fourth point here, and this one we can maybe close with for the skeptics. You hate to see it. And this is not victim blaming, but there's a question about credibility on Don's part that becomes crucial to the story a few years later or a few decades later. Yes, that's correct. There is a news story that we stumbled upon from October of 2012 when Don Decker found himself back in the news. He'd been rather obscure after these 90s television shows. He'd, you know, you'd every once in a while see an interview with him or him talking about something over the years, but this was the most high profile thing. Uh, he was in the news because he turned himself in to a federal court uh, on charges that <laughs> that he had set ablaze a business as a restaurant in the Poconos. It was an event that occurred in 2011. Uh, this is in Wilkes Bar, uh, a different area there in the Poconos. A rival pizzeria, perhaps. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so, uh, but but it does appear that Don was involved because the restaurant owner, this is allegedly, the restaurant owner brought him in to do it on purpose. Oh, like for like insurance money. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was called Dana's Restaurant and Tavern, not not a, not a pizzeria at all. Uh, and the owner was named Theodoros Kiriakopoulos. I think I got that right. Um, and this is located at 500 Sterling Road there in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. So he got the arson pinned on him. A grand jury charged the pair with mail fraud, criminal conspiracy, and use of fire to commit a federal felony. Ouch. Um, and this Gotta is important. Love the mail fraud. Because you know there's an insurance claim involved, right? Oh, a million yeah. percent. Well, uh, that that might be an unfair assumption on our part. Maybe, but it's it certainly mean, why else? Why else would you some do men that? just want to see the world burn? I mean, or, or, or at the very least, uh, re- certain restaurants. Um, but this is important, right? Because other than Decker himself, uh, the events seemed unrelated. But uh, his involvement in this arson scheme really calls his entire credibility. I mean, you know, he he was uh, he was pinched the first time for receiving stolen goods. Now he's committing mail fraud and arson. You know, it, it seems really sketchy his whole kind of account of things, but again, there are others that are that are seeing this happen. But it does indicate a strong ability or willingness at least to tell stories to the public, right? Well, I I had a from my mind it's more that it could be taken as indicating his overall willingness to portray a false narrative. I don't know. I don't I don't know if it's fair to say it's strong willingness, but it's definitely there's definitely a proven case where he was totally fine with doing that. Maybe that's from desperation, right? Um because people can be driven to crimes of necessity. Uh maybe that's a Maybe that's a completely unrelated event uh, because people have bad stuff happen and people make unrelated mistakes in their lives or, or, you know, maybe the devil made him do it. So at this point, we want to hear from you. What do you think, folks? Does the proposed scientific solution for this bizarre whoosh, whoosh, rain, well, uh, does it hold water? Womp womp, or was there something else at play? And and if so, what? Because I'll be honest, like the the ice damming seems a really good explanation for how 
water could get into the house, if not through the pipes. But from the eyewitnesses' explanation, it doesn't it sounds like a lot of them grew up in an area where they would have been familiar with ice damming, right? Like they would have known that uh, certain types of weather can cause certain types of leaks. And this, from their descriptions, at least from the way they're depicted describing these things, it doesn't, it doesn't appear. They thought that's what was going on. Yeah. I, it looks at least on camera in the, in the things that have been shot for those unscripted series, like it is, it is much more of a, there's much more water in these places than you would find if there was moisture in between the walls or the ceiling or something. Um, and it was just dripping out from the drywall or, you know, whatever the wall was made of at the time. It, it seems like more. But again, we don't know. I, I, Ben, I think the most convincing thing to this entire story are the eyewitness accounts of these police officers. Simply because it, you know, you listen to them who they've given interviews. I believe them that they're actually police officers, that they actually went through this stuff because they appear to be baffled by it. And these are, these are, you know, it's an occupation where you're trying to find answers for things, especially if you're an investigator, maybe not necessarily to the extent that I'm thinking of. If you're, you know, just an, an officer uh, who is on the street or something responding to calls, but this, like, I believe them that they saw something strange that they could not define or explain. And we want to hear. We want to hear from you, uh, especially if maybe you've encountered something like this that you are at a loss to explain. We would love to hear your story. We try to be easy to find online. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We particularly like to recommend our Facebook page. Here's where it gets crazy when you can share uh, your personal experiences, your opinions of this case with the best part of the show, your fellow listeners. But hold on, you might be saying. I do know what happened to Don Decker, and I hate social media because those are somehow related. I'm freestyling here, folks. But the point is, if you don't care for social media, you can also give us a call directly. We have a phone number. That's right. The number is 1-833-STDWYTK. You can leave a message there after you hear Ben's voice and some of that music. And we ask that you please leave the name that you want us to call you. That's that's highly important. Whatever you're comfortable with us calling you on air, let us know if we can use your message or not, and then leave your message. Please try and keep it as brief as you can, or at least succinct. And uh, if you want to give us a personal note just about the show or us, any of the hosts or Paul or Alexis, uh, do that at the end of that message, if you will. And... If you're going to if you think it's a long enough story where you're going to have to call back numerous times in order to get the full thing out, please take a slightly different route. It'll help us and increase your chances that we get to actually address what you've sent to us. Send it instead via our old fashioned email address. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.